Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their offerings at OsirisPod.com. Today, I am proud to present an interview with Dr. Paul Smith, who serves as the Secretary General of Botanic Gardens Conservation International, that's BGCI. BGCI leads the Global Tree Assessment and recently published the State of the World's Trees Report, showing that one-third of the world's trees are threatened with extinction. Prior to joining BGCI, Paul was the head of the Millennium Seed Bank of the Royal Botanic Garden. He is the editor of the Book of Seeds, published by the University of Chicago Press. And his most recent book, which is excellent, is entitled Trees from Root to Leaf, and that is the focus of this episode. Trees provoke deep affection, spirituality, and creativity. They cover about a third of the world's land and play a crucial role in our environmental systems, influence the water, carbon, and nutrient cycles, and the global climate. This puts trees at the forefront of research into mitigating our climate emergency. In Paul's astonishingly comprehensive book, he celebrates all that trees have inspired across nearly every human culture throughout history. Generously, illustrated with over 450 images and organized according to a tree's life cycle, from seeds and leaves to wood, flowers, and fruit. His book celebrates the great diversity and beauty of the 60,000 tree species that inhabit our planet. Captivating photography and infographics will inspire readers, illustrating intricate bark and leaf patterns, intertwined ecosystems, colorful flower displays, archaic wooden wheels, and timber houses. In this lavishly illustrated book, Paul presents the science, art, and culture of trees. Anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows that trees are a true passion of mine and that I work in the field. So talking to Paul about his truly comprehensive and excellent book was a true thrill. So in the episode, we explore the wonders found within his book while discussing the magical ways in which seeds spread themselves throughout the world and the crucial work done at Seed Banks internationally. We discuss how climate change is affecting tree populations and other threats to tree extinction throughout the planet. Ultimately, we celebrate the wonders and the importance of trees. So I have no doubt you're going to love this interview with Dr. Paul Smith. podcast but uh i love the book it's great it's so um it's so comprehensive it digs into so much uh about trees it's it's i mean well let's let's kind of start there i'd love for you know the listeners to hear kind of um uh, from your point of view what they can expect when they do dive into the pages of of your book well it was a it was a fun thing to do because um you know it started with a conversation i had had done a, a seeds book with um, with a publisher called Ivy Press, um, small publisher, and that was picked up by um, by Chicago um, University of Chicago Press uh, as well. But it was a kind of a, a, a fairly formulaic book, um, you know, with pictures of six hundred seeds, and then then talking about 
yeah, it, you know, the plants behind them and why they're important. Mm. And the same editor had moved to Thames and Hudson, who primarily they do, um, you know, architecture, design books, art books, and, and so on. Yeah. And they had this idea, just a, a vague idea, really, about um, about doing something on on trees, but that would bring in, you know, all of those those elements as as well. And it was, you know, a great conversation that we had because um, I was uh, was uh, introduced to to the senior editor there, and I said, you know, okay, and we got talking about architecture and so on, and and I had um, had visited uh, the Wayfarers Chapel in in California. And I said, you know, that's the kind of place that I, I think because it's 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 you know built um, with the redwoods outside. It's 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 a glass and wood structure. It's just beautiful with, Gorgeous. you know, with, with uh, fern and ferns and other plants coming out of the aisles. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of building that I would love to to include. And and he said, wow. He said that's amazing. He said I I, I was my marriage uh, was um, you know we had had a marriage ceremony in that that very building in wow. in the Wayfarers Chapel. I mean he's he's American, but um, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was we were off to a good good start with that, and um, I guess you know the the connection there was being able to bring in some structure to the book. So I mean they'd come up with with the idea of looking at the various parts of of the tree from literally from the roots to the leaves, the bark, the form, fruits, seeds, and so on. Um, but also really the thread running through it would be the way that trees are really mothers in the landscape and in the ecology really they they connect into us they connect into biodiversity as a whole in so many different and fascinating ways and we forget quite often that we're part of that that ecology and the extent to which trees are, are part of our you know our culture our livelihoods and so on so i had carte blanche really with with those elements which was great because it meant i could bring in some of my personal experiences yeah yeah well you kind of alluded to it right there at the end of that question, because I love in um, uh, Robert McFarland's uh, beautifully written, written forward. He talks about how, you know, you, um, you this complex relationship we have with trees, how, uh, you know, we love trees as these remarkable living beings, but also uh, so often, you know, treat them, you know, um, as a subject and commodity. And and he does. He, he mentions how you, um, you know, these themes kind of recur in your book repeatedly and I was wondering how you kind of address this dichotomy or, you know, what you thought about it when you're kind of bringing the book to life, this, you know, the, the different ways we look at it, this love hate relationship, that uh, hate's a tough word, but utilitarian. Yeah. Um, and this, this idea, we I, I do explore it in the book about the origins of the idea of man's d dominion over nature, which goes back a, a, a long way, um, you know, in, in religious texts and, and so on, but also, Sort of famously during the the Enlightenment and and you know harnessing nature for 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 man's ends, we're not anyway beyond that now. And I think um, although there's obviously growing awareness of the importance of of nature um, for many many reasons, um, including the right of other organisms to to exist and the fact that and I, I quote um, Pope Francis in in the book that we have no such right to cause extinctions, we still think. Uh, largely, I'm afraid uh, uh, about nature as a commodity, as something which is there to be to be exploited to the extent that that's enshrined now within the conventional biological diversity, in the sense that that countries have national sovereignty over their genetic resources, over nature, and that that that's somewhere we need to get beyond. I think I don't think that that uh, and and the rationale there was that that if people 
could uh, assign ownership and, and value to nature that, that they would look after it better but actually we're not we're not seeing that we just see further further exploitation and the points that we or that I try to explore in the book are what are the consequences of this mm. um, and the consequences are cascade effects uh, you know we're seeing you know and I mentioned the state of the world's trees report in there where we've got 17 and a half thousand threatened tree species many of those due to over exploitation. Mm that are not being replenished. Um, and so not only are we, you know, philosophically on the wrong path, but we're also uh, on a path which, um, you know, ultimately could be very destructive for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, I think that's what's also really special about a book like yours. You see the wonder, you see the life. I, I always think about and talk about um, Suzanne Samard's book, uh, Mother Tree, how you see the trees connect it and see them as beings that are actually, I mean, they've always been looked at as in competition with each other. Then you see that they might be actually sharing nutrients and anything that brings more life and, you know, gets us to look at them as these living beings that are part of this ecosystem that we're a part of is so important. So your book is uh, important in that way. Um, let me ask you this, because I, I, I always think this is a fun question to ask when I come upon a book like this, because it always leads to a really fun answer. But was there anything that you kind of, when you're writing it or, you know, researching it, um, that you were even like, wow, this is truly, truly incredible. And I'm almost surprised you or that you just want to talk about that. Just like really, cause there's just a lot of magic in your book as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, I mean, obviously I did, did some research around statistics and so on. I thought it'd be fun to, to work out how many leaves there are in the world, for example, and, and yeah. how many uh, there are for each of us. Mm. So that was a bit of a back of the envelope um, calculation. But, um, you know, it was also, I think, being being able to bring my own experiences uh, in. Um, you know, I've, I've worked, I've uh, been lucky enough to work um, in the botanical community now for about about 30 years. And my my job at the moment is is a great job in the sense that we have about 700 member botanical and forestry institutions around around the world. Michael. Um, and they grow around 18,000 different species of, of tree. So I, I, I get to travel around the world to these arboreta and botanic gardens and see this huge diversity of trees. I, I'm also a plant ecologist by, by background, um, focuses, focusing on Africa. So there's, there's quite a strong African component there. So you can bring in those elements where trees are not a nice to have. They're not something you just pop in your garden. They are the difference between life and death and i think you know being able to, to bring those elements in was um was really great great fun to do and, and being able to draw on you know my own career and experiences in that and make it more personal in that respect Be because there are a lot of books out there that will tell you about the evolution of plants and trees and you know their uses and 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 so on but um you know i was was able to bring in some of my my own life and experiences in in there and um you know that was was fun to write because you you know you, you're thinking back to when you were much younger and hiking the hills and all of those things but yeah that was fun i can relate to a lot of that the um i mean just you mentioned diversity just seeing the number in print of the species of trees it was at fifty eight thousand four hundred ninety seven. it just it just absolutely absolutely um mind-blowing there so um uh, oh one thing i want to mention that just struck me as i was turning through the pages that i just 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 blows me away and i i, I often don't think about much is, is how seeds adapt to travel and you really, really highlight that you know whether it's um 
you know, hitching animal, hitching to animals, flight. And then you you mentioned the um the coconut, which can cross oceans and actually uh I live for years immersed in seawater. That's just just fascinating to me. Really cool stuff. Um Yeah, and then you you've you've got the double coconut, which which doesn't. Um and you you've got to wonder why why that is, you know, that that that, yeah. that comes from um just uh you know a couple of islands in 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 the Seychelles why uh why a tree would evolve in a way that's on an island uh-huh. um and produces a double coconut but um but it doesn't survive in seawater it, yeah so there's some some fascinating sort of uh, i i guess oddities out there as well yeah. and and the other thing is that what state of the world's trees tells us is that 58 percent of all trees are rare they they only occur mm. in a single country oh, wow. um and those are the guys that are going to just just drop off the planet with with very few people noticing um you know that's that's the sad thing and the knock-ons um mm. you know will be enormous for for biodiversity i think i use we always use the example here in western europe of of, um, of the english oak where we've got really good science saying you know that for every oak tree that you plant there are 2300 other species recorded species of plant uh, sorry yeah of plants epiphytes of mammals birds insects microbes and so on that rely on that oak in their life cycle so oh. that's what i mean about really about the the mother tree it it, yeah. it really is not just mother to its own offspring but to you know to, to legions of other species truly truly amazing what what they do for the whole ecosystem um you talk a lot i do, do deal with a lot of urban um uh, arboriculture myself you talk about a lot about urban planning um, and I think it'd be fun to hear you talk a little bit about uh, what trees, why trees are so crucial in urban environments, or even just how they are used uniquely in certain um, urban environments. You're seeing some. Fa- I just a shout out to the the illustrators and the 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 uh, uh, images within the book are just it's it just makes it one of the most captivating co- coffee table books that I've come upon in a while. They're just so much fun to read, but also to look at. And you see all these urban environments that that, that not are that are unlike anything I experience around, you know, by parts of New York, even though we do a good job in some, some senses, but you really get to see how, how, you know, trees uh, can, can help and live in, in urban environments. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you were sort of, I I suppose, really innovators in New York with with Mm -hmm. the High Line when, when, when that came out and that was, was kind of upcycling or or repurposing, um, you know, an old, old railway line. We're seeing, that all all over the world, particularly as we move to become more and more urban, mm-hmm. that green spaces and um, trees in particular are important for mental health. Um, you know, they're 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 important for air quality. They're important for temperature. You know, we're seeing this heat island effect uh, now, way in advance of um, of climate change more broadly. Where because of the amount of concrete, we're getting all this, this sort of reflectance and so on. Where city centers are you know four or five degrees celsius higher than um, surrounding areas and that that has a real impact on on people's lives so if you if you have shade and you know there's a lot of science behind this now and increasing science around mental health benefits as well um of of having trees in your street um you know, having having the green spaces near nearby um we're learning that the hard way uh because as we urbanize and as we uh, you know, as people struggle with, um, you know, the pressures of, of everyday life, we're seeing obviously a huge peak in, in mental health issues yeah. and, and so on. And I think, you know, there is very strong evidence now that that, that we need access to, to green 
really, um, as one of the ways of mitigating this. Yeah, I can tell you during the whole uh, first part of the lockdown, if I didn't have a Prospect Park right near me and it was it just it, it would have changed my life. And you can see, I mean, it was almost overrun with people. They were actually having a hard time keeping up with all the maintenance and just because it was being used so much. And that's seeing people turn to it in such a hard time speaks to to, you know, the power of it. Um, I love I want to mention this, Robert. Uh, back to the forward, um, I'm just such an advocate for street trees, and he had such a great line. His street trees, those static superheroes, those uh, timeless ecosystem service providers, offer of shade, reduce surface temperatures in urban heat islands, clean city air of its polluted store carbon, join pockets of habitat, and support communities of creaturely life. It was just a beautiful sentence and kind of poetic. Um, need to talk climate, always want to talk climate when I'm talking trees or talking anything like this, but um, climate change is a big deal affecting trees. Uh, we're seeing it affect populations throughout the world. How do you speak to that in your book? Well, I think trees give us options. And, um, you know, one of the things that we, we do know from the science is that um, that natural distributions of trees are not necessarily an accurate indicator of um, their resilience or, or even where they're happiest, mm-hmm. um, which is the reason that, that um, you know, we've got certain kinds of trees that do perfectly well in, um, in city landscapes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we are able to do um, as we grow a wider range of tree species, and we grow around 18,000 tree species in botanic gardens in Arboreta, is to understand better their climate resilience. Um, and one of the things that we do see consistently is that they are more resilient than nature would would suggest, um, particularly to temperature. I think where it gets more complex is with extreme weather events, with droughts, um, with frosts, uh, obviously with storms. Um, and there we're also learning uh, as, as we go about which trees um, are best adapted uh, to you know those extreme weather events and and also to 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 higher temperatures, and that's going to be very useful um, for us in what is frankly largely a gardened landscape. You know we we've transformed fifty uh, percent of the terrestrial uh, uh, landscape, um, non-ice landscape, and arguably sort of eighty to ninety percent is affected by our activities. So. You know, the norm is transform landscapes in which biodiversity and trees are managed. So the more that we can learn about that, particularly in the context of climate change, the better. Yeah. We've actually just um, published a tool, online tool, for that was developed in botanic gardens, actually, mm. where you choose your site, you choose one of your 58,000 tree species or several of them, you can do it by a list that you want to plant, you choose your climate scenario. Um, is it business as usual? Will we reduce emissions? You've got three choices. And it will give you a traffic light as to whether that tree is likely to still be there in 70 wow. years' time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to learn to adapt. Um, and what that means ultimately is a different species assemblages. It means different different trees than those that we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in many cases, they're going to need assistance because trees, as you know, don't move terribly, terribly quickly, uh-huh. uh, most of them. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it brings in an interesting dilemma and, and, and also an interesting sort of philosophical question within conservation um, as to what constitutes um, the wild, if you like, um, and I would argue that certainly in this part of Western Europe, there is no wild. It's uh, all entirely man-managed. And also to what extent biodiversity can 
self-sustain um, mm. without, you know, human human intervention, and that 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 brings in some real practical questions. Yeah, yeah, lots of chew on there. Um, that's kind of we already highlighted how thirty percent of tree species are are threatened with extinction. Extinction. We're talking seventeen thousand five hundred trees at this point. So moving a little bit beyond climate change, which is obviously a cause. There's a couple other, um, uh, um, you know, causes that are even bigger than climate change for this, um, you know, either uh, tree extinction or threat of decline. And I was wondering if you could speak on those a little bit and how that, what that means for their respective ecosystems. Yeah, it's it's largely land use change. So um, clearing for, for agriculture, mm-hmm. um, livestock as well, uh, but, um, and urbanization, of course. So, um, you know that that is by far the biggest cause of um, tree species extinctions and, and threat, and that's why, as I say, we need to get involved and we need to be proactive. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think there's another question related to that, and that is, uh, and again, this is debated within conservation circles, mm-hmm. um, is as to whether we should be expending effort on uh on trees uh which are in transformed landscapes and i would say yes absolutely we uh-huh. do i mean you know as i say the united kingdom probably uh, much of the us is a is an entirely man-managed landscape that doesn't mean we don't have biodiversity mm-hmm. what, what, it, what it means is we have to find room for biodiversity we need to nurture it we need to care for it um and that that will necessarily involve some 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 management but we don't write species off um, so, you know, you've got, for example, in, in the U.S., you've got um, Frank Linnea Latamaha, which is only known from botanic gardens. It was, you know, originally in, in, in Georgia, attempts to reintroduce it to the original site have not worked, probably because the climate's not not ideal now. But it grows perfectly well in, yeah. in botanic gardens around the world. Uh, and it continues to exist, and it continues to exist in, in, in the U.S. and all the biodiversity that that relies on that. So... We have to make room for trees and not just the few tree species, um, you know, not just the eucalyptus and, and the pines, but right across that that array. Uh, and everyone can do that. It's not something that you have to just leave to the professionals. You, you can grow a native species in your garden Absolutely. Um, and that will that will do a great job for, for conservation. Yeah, I love that idea of leaving no uh, tree species behind. I just work in, you know, uh, many different cities throughout the country and it's amazing how little diversity within street trees that are employed. And you just think of what can come through and just take out, you know, uh, in certain cities where, where you know, uh, red oaks are threatened by, you know, diseases. I mean, the whole city can lose its its whole, uh, you know, right. uh, treescape. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And just, it just, it diversity just means everything. And for a lot of different reasons. So let's talk um, just to kind of, kind of bring us home a little bit. Your book, I mean, we're talking about some problems that, that are important to discuss, but it also, it also shows so much how trees inspire and inspired throughout history. And we haven't mentioned the word art. We haven't, we talked a little bit about architecture, but I mean, trees are ingrained in our story, our our, our lives in so many different ways, our music. And, and just, it's, I'd love to hear you speak about and bring us home how, um, cause it's touched on in a beautiful way in your book and bravo to that, but how trees really um, ex- have inspired across every human culture throughout history. Yeah. And, and, and art, You'll see in in the book. I mean, we cover everything from from Japanese uh, art through to um, you know impressionists and post impressionists, and and actually, I, I again brought in a, a personal element in that in that I've I've long been a fan of 
the post-impressionists and uh, and uh, Tom Thompson and the group of seven, who only Canadians appear to have heard of. And um, you know, so when you when you mention the group of seven to uh, to a Canadian, I say, oh, how do you know about that? That that that's great. But you know, I think that that their their artwork, which focuses on on tree landscapes and um, you know the the, the lakes uh, around Toronto and so on, I think and Ontario is fantastic uh, and. You know, deserves to be to be seen more. Uh, I was just lucky enough that there was an exhibition here. I think the first since the 1920s that mm. came to London, and I was able to see those things firsthand. But I'm sure, you know, it could be Hockney, uh, someone who's interested in 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 more more contemporary art with with a tree focus. But I think everyone will have, um, you know, landscape painters or or um, you know, people who who paint trees that are favourites of of theirs, and that's just just one way. Uh, in which trees trees inspire yeah. um and i think you know it's up to people to to bring in their their, their own inspirations in that because everyone has them yeah. um I, I think they do uh, and you've only got to look in people's bookshelves and and you'll you'll see that because trees touch everything i mean your books are made from them for a start but um, <laughs> you know they they are uh, you know they they are only present they 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 are in in everyone's homes yeah and i think even just as you look around the world and you walk around the streets i see it in graffiti i see it on people's tattoos i see it you know just just it's the more i'm pretty tuned into it because of what i do but like it's 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 out there if you look at it one i want to ask one more question cuz i I haven't been privy to seeing some of these just remarkable seed banks and i know you've done a lot of work with that and seen a lot um just how how inspiring or how how amazing is the work that some of these seed banks are doing? I mean, some of the pictures of the seed banks that you show in your book, I was just my, my jaws on the floor. That's pretty pretty cool stuff, huh? Yeah, I was lucky to to be a seed collector in, in initially in 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 Madagascar and um, southern southern and central Af Africa, and we'd go out, you know, looking for the the rarest remaining plants. Um, so an example from Madagascar was um, Eligma carpus, which is a it's a, a a legume. It's a pea family tree, but you know at that point there were twelve left, um, and they were about to get mined mined out. You know, um, the ilmenites, a titanium mine. Um, so being able to to find those trees, um, collect the last remaining seeds, get them into a nursery, um, and get them onto the road to recovery is incredibly rewarding. It's it's a, a wonderful thing to do with your your life to be involved in in recovering. A species or at least making sure that we you know we have the tools to to do that and seed banks are right are vital with that they they're the first they're, they're, of course they're the baby plants and um you know they're the first step there in in working out how you, you can turn that seed into a into a living plant and then the rest uh rest follows so we need much more effort particularly for for native species um and of course for many trees they're what we call recalcitrant, so you mm -hmm. can't store the seed in, in low temperature, um, dry conditions. Um, we need to keep them as living collections or, you know, there are other high-tech ways of, of keeping uh, reproductive material. But, you know, only a tiny proportion, 25% are in of trees are in seed banks. Wow. So we have a long we have a long way to go. And pe people also say, Michael, they'll say, you know, well, why should, why should we do that? Well, based on the Millennium Seed Bank, to bank um, the seeds of a species and to get good genetic diversity, so you you know not just a few seeds, um, costs about costs about three thousand dollars. Why wouldn't we do that um, as as an insurance policy against extinction? You know, we used to work out to bank 
25% of the world's flora. So 25% of all plants in the world cost the same as one Eurofighter Typhoon fighter jet. Mm -hmm. what, why wouldn't we do that? No, um, you know, it's yeah, it should be a no brainer, but it's yeah. still very difficult to, to, to raise money to do this. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad I asked that. I was just I'm so inspired by that effort. I know you've been involved in it. It's just it's remarkable. I didn't realize it was only 25%. But this book is fun. It's a really I found it an incredible celebration of trees. I've, I've recommended it all over the place. And I'm grateful to be able to recommend it and talk about it here. So thank you for your time, Paul. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, really great. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Michael. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.